Open your Bibles this evening to Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3. You know, IQ is not the only indicator of intelligence. A lot of people would say that's really not an indicator of intelligence at all, but it is interesting to see how some people rate on that scale and uh, what they do or how they end up. Now, a normal IQ range, now, once again, I'm just telling you what it says, okay? So it's normal is 85 to 110. 85 to 110. I, I don't, I, I, I don't want to know what mine is. I don't want to be embarrassed, um, et cetera. A man named Paul Allen, some of you might have heard that name. He is co-founder of Microsoft. His IQ was, is 170. Uh, that is above normal. Einstein, who was the, the founder Actually, I couldn't come up with a better word, founder, but I don't know if he invented. He didn't invent relatively, and I don't know if it's even relative, but uh, his IQ was 190 as one smart dude. Nikola Tesla, uh, born in 1688. Now, I don't know how we know this, but I'm just, once again, just telling you what, you know, the books say. He was the creator of the Tesla coil. You know, that, that actually the MRI was one of the things everybody knows about the MRI. And obviously, calling a car Tesla had nothing to do with him, but it's electric and da da da. His IQ, 210. 210. Now, there's another young man, Adrigan DeMello. He was born in 1976. He graduated from the University of California, age 11. Age 11, okay? Now, he held the record, uh, the Guinness Book of Records, for being the youngest college student uh, in the United States for only six years. For only six years. And it was broken by Michael Kearney, who graduated from college at the age of 10 without ever actually going to any other preparatory school, by the way. He went to college, graduated at age 10. He just went from cradle to college. Uh, you know, he probably didn't pledge a fraternity, but his IQ was only 155, but he graduated at age 10. Now, DeMello, who graduated college at age 11, at age 24, was training to be an estimator for a painting contractor. Okay, I mean, that's not a bad job. DeMello's IQ was 400 at age 11. I don't know. So wisdom is just not how smart one is. I mean, it, it's, not, it's not about how smart, but rather how one applies knowledge that we know. I mean, there's a lot of people who know things, but they're really not all that wise. Tonight we want to look into Proverbs. It's called the Wisdom Book, or one of those, written by who is considered to be the wisest man in the Bible, King Solomon. So as we look at Proverbs, it's thought to be mostly, but not all, written by Solomon, but some of them, people that were around him and 
were obviously influenced by him, probably maybe even taught by him. Solomon had asked God, he had asked God as a young man, uh, and he became king like at 20 some years old, young, uh, 20 years old, but he asked God for wisdom to lead his people. Now that in itself is a pretty wise decision for a young man. Second Chronicles 1 says, give me now wisdom and knowledge that I may go out and come in before this people for who can rule this great people of yours? And wisdom he received from God. God said in Second Chronicles 1, Wisdom and knowledge have been granted to you, and I will give you riches and wealth and honor, such as none of the kings who were before you has possessed, nor those who would come after you. So Proverbs is this collection of these pithy uh, little statements, okay, uh, about wisdom and gives you direction for practical life. Uh, or in other words, just the fundamental realities of life. It, it's a collection of themes, as it were, that would direct life of a righteous man. There's a certain assumption here as these things are written that the ones that would read this, the one that would hear this would be one that knew God, that were a child of God, or even in our context, who know our risen Savior, okay? Its major theme is the application of wisdom and the folly of not applying it. I mean, that, that's really about it. You see this, this kind of bannered back and forth all through. The wise man is the one who listens and not only listens, but applies and obeys, okay? And, and the foolish man, he disregards all the fear of God. He, he disregards all the word of God and in the end is lost. He fails. Solomon spoke of the prevalence of wisdom that, that really is in the world. And it's a really interesting thought when you think about what he said here. Proverbs 1, it's right in the beginning. He says, wisdom shouts in the streets. She lifts up her voice in the square. Now, the square is obviously downtown. It's kind of like in the city. Okay, it's just out there. At the head of the noisy streets, she cries. At the gate of the, enter, the entrance gates in the city, she utters her saying. So wisdom is just prevalent everywhere. I mean, there is a lot of wisdom. You, you, it's amazing sometimes if you will take the time to listen to, to people that, that, that you mingle with or intersect in a daily basis. Listen to them, and particularly some of our elderly people, at times I listen to them and I'm like, wow. And, and now I'm getting to be one of them, not that I'm wise, but I'm just getting to be elderly. I saw that. The, uh, but, you know, the, that's the reality. You can hear this, and this is what Solomon's saying. It's out there. It's prevalent. But then he cautions that immature person, that immature person, the one who neglects to apply what they've heard or even they've been taught. In Proverbs 1, the same chapter, he says, How long, O naive ones, will you love being simple-minded? That's not a compliment. That's not a compliment. That is saying, you stupid one, basically. 
How long will you live without listening to wisdom? Chapter 1 and 2, he instructs really to seek and search after wisdom as it brings great blessings. So here in chapter 3 tonight, as we'll look, Solomon calls us to put wisdom into practice in life. What has been gathered in our hearts to be lived out in our daily living? He says, do not cast it away. Don't cast it away, for in it you will find favor with God and man now. Now. So tonight we want to look at the way of wisdom, because the way of wisdom is good. And so we're going to look at five truths about wisdom that will reward and bring favor with God and man now. This is a life now. This is, these are things that, that if we will listen to what's here and apply it to our lives, it'll bring, it'll, it, it will bring favor by God and man even now, the, the people around us. Okay? He, we begin here in verse 1. He says, My son, my son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments for length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. He goes on to say, but do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart so you will find favor and good repute in the sight of God and man. So first let's look at wisdom's reasoning. He begins, my son, do not forget my teaching. Now Solomon is basically writing his, it, it, he's giving his wisdom, and he's writing this to his son. And also, though, it will be to readers that will follow. Now, my son connects what follows to what he has already said. Okay, I've told you all of these things. Now he is bringing this to to practicality in his son's life. It's not a forceful command. Rather, it is as as a soft voice of God the Father as he even talks to us. My son, is that, that it's a term of endearment, okay? It's, it's, it's a representative of the love that even that, that, that Solomon has and the passion that he has for his own son. Now, he says, my teaching, that word for teaching there is the word Torah. You've probably heard that word before. Uh, it's referring to doctrine. It, it refers to, to, really, Torah designates teaching about the law. Okay, so here it refers to the wisdom that God gave Solomon. Okay, I mean, there's no written thing right now, right? We don't have this at this point necessarily, but he says there is wisdom from God. God has given me wisdom, okay, and this is the wisdom. I want you to listen to it. This is the, where the teaching is coming from, and so the teaching that he gives in Proverbs will align with God's word, okay? And then he says, do not forget my teaching. Now, that word forget does not refer to a defective memory that some of us have. Rather, it it translates to the willing ignoring, uh, the, the, the ceasing to care for the admonition of the teacher. It's not speaking about academics of the wisdom or just remembering facts. 
But it's talking about here is pushing wisdom aside. It's actually abandoning it, ignoring the wisdom, ignoring the teaching. Solomon is likely even, you know, concerned that his son would would choose the ways of the world or even another faith. There was all kinds of things going on at that time. And we know later on this became true even in Solomon's own life. But this statement truly is applicable to professing Christians today, as this is said to us. As we would read this, it really does us no good to to memorize the law. It does us no good to memorize Scripture, to, to memorize Christ's commands if these are not applied to life. They're just words. Anybody can read those. Jesus said in John 14, he said this, if you love me, what? You'll keep my commandments. It's a simple statement. If you love him, then we are commanded to forget not his commands. Don't push his commands aside. Don't, don't push his, you know, what he has taught us aside. Don't push that aside. If you love me, his teaching, you know, is not to be pushed aside, but we're to apply them to our lives. This is what Jesus has said to us. His commands really are not meant for restrictions on life. There's so many people who says, you know, that Christian religion of yours is just so restrictive. Yeah, man, it's just, there's just no fun in it. There's just no fun in it. It's not meant to be restrictions of life for the sake of the law or even legalism. His commands are basically the pathway to a joyful and satisfying life now. There's the reality. If we listen to what Jesus Christ has taught us in his word, it is going to end up resulting in joy and a successful life. It's going to be. It's going to be a satisfying life. And his commands are the pathway to eternal life. I mean, it's just, it's just all in there. But as foolish children, what do we do at times? We cast them away. We cast them away. We ignore his wisdom and we choose sin over holiness. And where does that get us? Where does that get us? Well, one place we know, it's definitely not towards God. It definitely isn't going to move us any closer to God as we ignore what Jesus has taught. How many times really in your darkest hour? In your darkest times, you know, when you're just really struggling, do you forget the wisdom that has been given to you? That's been given to us. It is amazing. It's the last thing we do at times to turn to the Lord or even open the Bible to to figure out which way to turn, right or left. When trouble strikes, do you recall who you are in Christ? I mean, we've been taught that, who you are in Christ. You know, Matthew 28 says this. Jesus says this to his disciples, all authority is given to me in heaven and on the earth. Now, what does that mean to me and you when we are struggling? When we're struggling, what does that mean to you when you are having difficulties in your life, when challenges are coming in your life? All authority is given to Christ in heaven and what? On the earth. 
He's over everything. Friends, this is assurance in our evangelism. This is what he's saying here. This is a great commission. But this is not just for you to remember when you go out to win souls. Christ is with you always. And he is over everything. He has authority over everything. I mean, it's something that we we, we have this wisdom here. We need to apply this wisdom. You have been justified because of Christ. You have been justified because of Christ. And as such, you have access to the creator of all eternity, God himself. I mean, Paul explained that in, in, in Romans 5. He said this, we have obtained an introduction by faith into this great thing in which we stand. We stand in this thing. We stand firm in this thing. We walk through those difficult times in this. And not only this, but we actually exult in tribulation knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance and perseverance proving character, proving character, hope. And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within your hearts to the Holy Spirit who was given to you. Man, there's a lot of theology in that. There is a lot of wisdom in that that we can use when trouble comes our way. We can use when life is not quite going our way. These truths, this wisdom, but has to be applied to all of our days. It's all of our days. So many times we think that, you know, some of these things are just meant for Sundays or it's just meant for eternity. But it's not. Solomon's saying, this wisdom that I'm giving to you, don't push it aside. Use it. Use it. God's word is a wealth. It is a well of wisdom. It's a well of wisdom. It is the perfect plan for life. Perfect plan for life. Even in the the instruction that Jesus gives his disciples, his desire was as Solomon's was to his son. Don't cast this aside. I'm telling you, I have all authority. Go. I am with you always, even to the end. Even to the end of the age. And yes, If you are a child of God, he says, I'm with you always. I'm with you always. In the thick and thin, through thick and thin, I'm with you always. You mess up, he's still with you. He's still with you. So let's look further here at wisdom realized. He says, my son, do not forget my teaching, but listen to this. But let your heart keep my commandments. Now that word heart here, I mean, we're not talking about necessarily the organ heart. Here, in the Greek, it's a, it's, a, it's a lab, it's a word lab. It means the inner man. It means the, the, the will of a man, the mind of a man. It's, it's where all of your affections lie, okay? It, it's just what, what you care about. It actually, your heart defines you. It, it's, it's, it's like who you are. He says, but let your heart keep. Keep my commandments. That word keep here means to guard, means to, to preserve, means to observe. Keep it. Keep it. Keep my commandments. 
And those commandments are precepts, referring to the, the commands that, that he was going to lay out here. Now, really, there's three main thoughts as we see this verse. There's the word remembrance, there's the word affection, and the word obedience is laid out here. Remembrance, affection, and obedience. You know, remembering or not casting aside a law or teaching will depend largely on the affection of the heart of the person. Do, do you understand what I'm saying there? If you truly love something, I mean, you're going to keep it in your heart. You're going to keep it in your heart. If you don't love it, it's amazing how you forget it quickly. So with this remembering, so, so, because what is in your heart, in, in the heart of your will, will determine your actions. If this is really important to you, if, if this command is really important to you, if you love God's word and you love this word that God has given to you, then there's no problem applying it. There's no problem in applying it. So it gives more credence to the plea to, to not to forget the teaching, not just remembering it, but realizing it in life, putting it into practice in your life. This is what Solomon is saying here. Using what God gave me to apply to obeying it. God gave me his word. Do I love his word? And so it's really just kind of a, you know, a test for us. Do you love God's word? Do you love his word? Do you love all of his word? Do you love all of his word? Isn't it amazing today how many people, are, you know, try to figure out ways around that? You know, we become as the Pharisees, you know, you can't carry anything on the Sabbath. So what do they do? Well, I have my wife carry it, you know, you know, or you're tighter on your foot so you can you figure ways around it. There's so many things we're finding ways around anymore. I mean, Solomon's just saying, you know, keep it in your heart. Let your heart keep my commandments. Because it's the safe place for God's word. You keep it in your heart. It's keeping where your affections are. And if you're keeping it there, then it, it, you're going to obey it. Let your heart keep my commands. So it's about what's in your heart. And your heart is the, is the root of the matter here as is, is he brings it up. It, it, is this law firmly fixed in your heart? Whatever that law is, is it firmly part of you? Because if not, the likelihood is very high that you're going to cast it aside. If this is not real significant to you, if you think that, well, it's just one of those little things, then you're going to, you're just going to cast it aside. We have to keep it in our heart. It's been said that, that many will miss heaven by a foot. What are they talking about? See, they've got something in their mind, but it never got to their heart. It never got to their heart. And you can say that you know something intellectually, but you do not believe it in your heart. It's in your mind, but it's not in your heart. The belief of the heart is manifested in application. If we love the Lord with all of our heart, which we are commanded to do, then we will find ways to obey his commands. Just to simply put, let your heart keep my commandments it is more than just compliance or conformity. It's, it's, a, it's a spiritual obedience, really, that is arised from this, this inward affection of your heart for the love of God. Why do you obey Christ? Because I love him. 
he says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And that's, 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 a, that is, that's it. That's it. If we really love him, we have an affection for him. It is what is in the heart of a man that makes even his worship, even his service worship. I mean, you can do many things in the church. You can do all of these things in the church. You can work for the church. You can do all of these things in the church. But what is in your heart? That's really what's going to make that worship. Are you doing that as unto the Lord? You're doing it as unto the Lord or you're doing it as unto men? You're doing it for gratuity? You're doing it for praise? Or is it because you love the Lord? Man, I just want my life to be worshiped to the Lord. Charles Bridges wrote this. He says, the heart is the first thing that wanders from God. First thing that wanders from God. But listen to this. This is where the hope is. He goes on to say, but it's the first also that returns. You see those things? The heart's the first to leave. But I'm going to tell you, conviction comes to the heart. You know, conviction is such a bad word anymore in Christianity. We don't like to be convicted. We don't like to be convicted. I I hear, hear people critique preachers all the time. I just don't feel good when I leave those services. I don't feel good. I just don't. Really? What don't you feel good about? You know, there's a reality. I would just say this. Clint will probably hear it sooner or later. But if you leave here every week and, man, you just love everything, you ain't hearing what the boy is saying. I mean, it's just a reality. Something needs to convict you or you're not listening. We're not listening. I mean, it's a reality. Romans 6, 7, it says that, well, thanks be to God that though you were slaves of sin, you became obedient from the heart to that form of teaching to which you were committed. I mean, it's in our heart that we obey. It's in our heart that we obey. I mean, everything else just kind of falls in line. And when your heart is not in it, you find a way around it. You find a way around it. Even as true believers, life circumstances, though, many times cause us to discard or, or cease to care about what has been put into our mind. I mean, it happens. I mean, you, you know, struggles with relationships. Man, you know, I mean, there's nothing in God's Word that says anything about this. Really. I mean, God's Word says everything according to life you have been given. So I'm just going on a limb. If this is about life, there's something. Struggles with desires that glorify the flesh versus what God desires for our life. We know what the truth says, but we cast it aside for something that we think is better, which is usually our own opinion or our own wisdom. We figured it out. God said this, but, but. I I know what God's word says, but. And that happens. That happens to the best of us. Solomon says, obey. Let your heart keep my commandments. Let your heart do it. If you are a Christian, in your heart of hearts, you know that God desires nothing but good for you. Do you, you understand that? He desires nothing but good things for you. But many times, it does not match up with what your heart is desiring at the time. It's just, that's just a reality of life. 
So we push wisdom aside. Solomon warned, do not forget God's wisdom. Rather, guard it. Keep it in your heart. He goes on to talk about wisdom's reward. You know, realizing or, or, or putting wisdom into practice in your life is not without reward. Okay? We're not, we're not just doing this be, because, you know, we don't like the things of this world. We're, we're looking for a reward here to a certain extent. Okay? There is reward. Verse 2, it says, For the length of days and years of life and peace... They will add to you. Now that four, once again, introduces this, this, this reward. In other words, because of what he just said, when you keep this, that there is going to be a, a, a reward in this. Wisdom has a reward, a promise that it comes from obedience, from, from keeping uh, the teaching in your heart, those length of days and, and years of life in, in peace. Only the Lord Jesus Christ can promise those things, by the way, and keep it. Well, what does it mean? This length of days, I mean, literally, literally it means extension of, uh, of days or prolongation of life. It's just what it says. The length of days was a blessing in Old Testament times that, that came with many conditions. Exodus 20, you recall, honor thy father and mother and what? Lengthen your days. Lengthen your days. And, and you know, there, there's times of man, honoring them is, kind of runs against your your grain it runs against your grain but there's a promise that comes with it and lengthen your days i'm saying the opposite may be true now i don't know in old testament times don't honor your father and mother you end up getting drug out the edge of town and stoned to death i mean i don't know i don't think those that's what was really written in there but i'm once again i'm, I'm i believe that what he's saying here it's good for you and it will lengthen your days. Solomon repeats the reward of wisdom in Proverbs 3. He says, long life is in her right hand. Her is wisdom here. Long life is in her right hand, and in her left hand are riches and honor. Pretty good deal that wisdom brings with it. Pretty good reward. I mean, once again, these relate to the teaching of the Father. Uh, and, 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 and really, what Solomon has related earlier is this teaching of the Father with even the fear of the Lord. It kind of all relates together here. Uh, he, he said in Proverbs 1, the fear of the Lord is what? The beginning of wisdom. So wisdom will lengthen your days. So fear of the Lord will, it, will lengthen your days and bring peace to your heart, bring peace to your life. All of these things kind of work together, intertwined. Now, no, note here, to, to be applicable, this is not applicable in every single case. There's people who have listened to the Lord. There's people who put their trust in the Lord and they're executed. What's with that? What's with that? But there's a reality here, the tendency of keeping the divine precepts. There's a general principle here in scripture, keeping God's law, keeping God's commands, listening to God's word, which in rule will, will preserve your health, will lengthen your days. It's as simple as that. It's a general rule. It, it's not an exact. And he goes on to say this, this years of life, hegem in, in, the, in the Hebrew, is a word that, that actually relates to material, um, you know, prosperity. A good life. A good life. It, it gives you a good life, a long life and a good life. 
a life of happiness and joy, free from distractions. If we are obeying what God has told us, let me tell you, the clutter is going to be taken out of our life to a large degree. That's not to say that you're, you're, you know, there's not going to be criticism of your life as you stand for God. It's not that you're going to be ridiculed or suffer for standing for God. But in reality, it brings a life of happiness and joy when we listen and apply those things in our life. Applying God's given wisdom as a general rule is going to produce a life worth living. It is. And this word peace, it, it just it refers to external and internal contentment. Okay, knowing that you're secure. This is the kind of peace we're talking about here. It's kind of like, I'm at peace in my heart. I'm at peace in my soul. One who abides by God's wisdom is one who has succumbed to his rule. Okay, we've succumbed to his rule. And those who have done that, they have peace with God. And when we have peace with God, because of Jesus Christ, we have the peace of God because that's what comes with it. Living a life that is compliant with the teachings of God cannot always guarantee peace in the world, but it does encourage godliness, Scripture tells us. It encourages godliness. And godliness, as Paul said, listen to what he wrote, 1 Timothy 4, 8, for bodily discipline is only a little profit, but godliness is profitable for all things since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. It's just in God's word. That's a promise that's been made. That's a promise that has been made. They will add to you. Solomon later states that her, in other words, wisdom's ways are pleasant ways and all of her paths are peace. So it's just like you're saying, when you're listening to God's word, it's going to lead to peace in your life. And you're obeying it. But obviously the opposite is true. Scripture tells us the opposite is true in Isaiah 48. It says, there, are no, there is no peace for the wicked, saith the Lord. So the opposite is true. So we, we have wisdom's reward there, but let's look, look at wisdom recalled. In other words, replying in here. Here, here. The application in life begins of what he's saying, okay? This is what it looks like, and this is one of those first things, and we're going to talk about others uh, in, in these next meetings on Wednesday night. But remembering and, and applying wisdom of life manifests itself in a sensible and ethical life in this world. I mean, that's just a general principle, okay? So he says here in verse 3, do not let kindness and truth leave you. Don't let it leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Now, this word kindness here, your Bible may say steadfast love. It's steadfast love. Some find it mercy. You know, here it should be understood in its broadest sense. I mean, steadfast love for, for God, steadfast love for the people around you. When you were thinking about God, it means God's love and his grace towards man when we're thinking about it in that context. When we're thinking about men, it means uh, man's love towards God and man's love towards his neighbor. Okay, the people around you. It, it actually means a, a humility about those around you. In other words, we're love that's manifested itself in the sacrifice for others. It's humbling yourself. I mean, that's the kind of 
that's the kind of steadfast love we're talking about, where this mercy or kindness is displayed in a man's life and shown. We see various things come out of that life. We see, number one, we see this mutual help for other people. And if you have a steadfast love for, for those in this, in this room tonight, then you are going to have a, a, a concern for what's going on in life. It's not a quid pro quo, in other words. It, it's just, I'm just going to do it. That's the kind of love we're talking about there. That's that mutual love. It's giving what you would desire from others. You know, you know just acting before they act. It's not, it, it's not just, I like you if you like me. I'm going to do something good for you if you'll do something for me. But, man, this is mutual help to other people because of the steadfast love you have for those around you. It's forgiveness of offenses. Forgiveness of offenses. As we think of God's love for us that forgives all of our trespasses, the past, the present, the future, if you think about that, of his love for you, how could we hold others to a higher standard than we hold ourselves? Because the reality is God loved you enough to forgive you, and there's every day of our life, we kind of throw that in his face when we choose sin over him. Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind to one another, tenderhearting, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also forgave you. Okay, th- this is what happens in us. Uh, number three, there's, you get a sympathetic feeling. These the sympathetic feelings for other people. You have sympathy for other people. It's a, it's a soft heart towards those that are struggling in difficult situations. I mean, you know, I mean, you care about what they're going on in a person's life, bearing up their burdens. You know, a man of faith is one that shares the pain of others coming alongside them, helping them, whether or not it, it, it may be sin in their life that you come along time to say, brother, let me help you with that. You know, it, it bringing conviction in their life. Those are all things that that sympathy is. You know, Christians suffer with other Christians. Hebrew 10 says this, but remember the former days when we, after being enlightened, you endured a great conflict of suffering. He goes on to say, partly by becoming shares of those who were so treated. For you showed sympathy to the prisoners and accepted joyfully the seizure of your property, knowing that you have for yourself a better possession and a lasting one. In other words, there's nothing in this life worth not giving up. Because we have a promise of something far greater. Far greater. So this word, this love here, this word love, it, it bears the idea of kindness. It bears the idea of grace towards others as God has shown to you. And this other word, this truth. Okay, these two things that we want to hold on to, to bind uh, 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 on, on our hearts, to bind on our heads, to bind on our wrists, to write on our tablets, all of these different things. It's a word that means faithfulness. It means firmness or stability in your life. In other words, you don't have two lives. Okay, your, your life is, you're living a straight line, in other words. Keeping one's promise, integrity of character. Integrity of character is, is one's word and deed which is seen by others. And it, it breeds confidence when someone sees your life and it's all over the place. I mean, you're one way over here, you're another way over there. I mean, the confidence in you goes down. 
And so these are the things that we need to be careful of even in our daily lives. This is what we're, he's telling us. We need to apply the teachings to our life. Because what comes out of our life, this truth that we're living here, living a life that is firm and stable in all circumstances. And that's a hard thing to do. It's a hard thing to do. But the man that we're talking about is a true man inside and out. There's no fakingness in him. There's no pretense. Those around you see it and they know you have a life of faithfulness. That word here, you know, that word love, it, it excludes selfishness. And that word, that word uh, uh, firmness or stability, it, it excludes hypocrisy. So you get rid of those things. You get rid of those things. And so what he is saying here, do not let kindness and truth leave you. Hold on to those things. Hold on to those things. He, he goes on to say, you know, it, it, do not let them leave you. Bind them around your neck. Uh, you know, in, in the days of old, I mean, the, the priests would write things on banners and put them on their, uh, on their head to, you know, to remember. But there's a reality here, you know, to, to just apply this practically or in your life without actually applying it to your life does no good. I mean, you can talk about love. You can talk about kindness. You can talk about all these different things. But are we living those things out? Are we living those things out? The, the, you know, these things that work together in Scripture. Truth and love. Speak the what? The truth, what? In love. All of it kind of works together. Solomon teaches that, is that we must not forget or cast the teaching aside. This, this simple behavior is taught to children. We, we, we teach these things to children. Don't lie. Always tell the truth. Love your brother and sister. All of these things we teach to them, but even in the young, it is easily cast aside to do what they, they want to do. In other words, what if, is it okay if, if it gets in my way? What if, what if their ways conflict with my ways? You know, what am I to do? What, what if it just doesn't fit into my schedule? All of these different things in life, it's what he's saying here. And so all of these things... What Solomon is saying here, there is a benefit. There's a benefit. Kindness and truth. You don't let them leave you. Bind them. Write them on the tablet of your heart. But because there is a response from this wisdom. Look what he says here. When he says love and mercy refers to both God and man here. It, it, we bind them around our neck. And this, this language here is, is once again borrowed from Exodus that he's using. But once again, Solomon is instructing us that these qualities of life should be visible in our life as they are written on our hearts. And when that happens, there is, there is a response from wisdom. There is, is a result, as it would be, that comes out of such wisdom. When, when we're looking at those things, look what he says here. So you will find favor and good repute favor and good repute and not only then listen to this in the sight of God and man I mean that's a pretty big promise that is a wonderful promise there's a reality here of all of this the response here of not casting it as away is that you're going to have you will find favor and good repute in the sight of God and man that word favor means grace 
or acceptance. Grace and acceptance by God and man, okay? That word repute, which is kind of the word report, but it means esteem, you know, good esteem in the sight of God and man. You know, these things work together. They can be found by both God and God in heaven. I mean, there's a reality as we think about living this life that is based on the wisdom that is given to us in God's word. As we live those things out, God is looking at those things and we are highly held by him. I mean, it's just, it's what it's a promise here. But also look around us. It's not just about God. It's about life around us. It's about the people around us, men around us. You know, Paul remarked that the believers should desire to have a good report by both God and man. Second Corinthians 8 says this, For we aim at what is honorable, not only in the Lord's sight, but also in the sight of man. It's not good enough. I don't, I don't care what people say about me. It's just what God thinks, which is it's kind of true. But in the reality of it is, if everybody around you is not saying, you know, everybody around you is, is, is getting the feeling that, that you're living a life of debauchery or something like that, what do you think God is thinking about you? I mean, it's just, there is a reality there. These two results, the, the, the one models mercy and truth, it, the favor of heaven and earth, because there's an attractiveness there's an attractiveness in our life. There's attractiveness of mercy and truth in your life. And that good esteem refers basically to how the world around you. There is a reality that when, when you manifest the things of Christ in your life, that there's a people in, around you may come against you. But I have seen this in my own life. And, you know, they may make fun of you. But when they need something, when they want to know truth, They'll come to you. Why? The consistency in your life, because your life is an attractive one. Your life has integrity to it. Your life manifests this, all of these things, the truth in your life, the love in your life. And truly, when, when we're living those things out, that is the good life. That is the good life. Responding to that binding the wisdom of love and truth on your life is not only good from the perspective of God, but it is for all of those that are around you. So just summing all this up this evening, God's desire and plan for his people is to live a life that manifests the wisdom that he teaches. There's nothing in his word that is going to hurt you or not be good for you. Do, do we understand that? I mean, there's so many times that, you know, truly, as even if you go back and you, you think about Eve in the garden and Satan comes, what was, what was he saying to her? You're not really going to die. You know, that is really good to eat. It's really good. You're not going to die. You're not going to die. And so what it, he talks her into this is not listening to what God has said. Go after what you want. Go after what you want. Did he really say he would kill you? Did he really say that? And what does she do? 
She eats it. She eats it. I mean, God's desire and plan for our life is that the wisdom that he teaches us will give us a good life. Will give us a good life. Now, it's not always going to mean you'll be, live to be 95. Some people don't want to live to be 95. My mother-in-law is 96 years old today. Happy birthday. Not everybody wants to live that. Not everybody does live that. But there is a reality. When God is the focus of your life and his ways is the center of your life, it's a good life. It's a satisfying life. And even though the world may come against you, knowing that God is for you is all that you need. And these are the qualities, really, that give joy in this life and the promise of life to come. How do you know that you know him? How do you know that you know him? There's only one way, that you obey him. The Holy Spirit coming inside of you, bringing conviction in your life. You may not like conviction. You may not like that. You may not like the idea that what the Holy Spirit is telling you, what you're, the road you're on is the wrong road. It may be against your own plan when the Holy Spirit comes. And man, you, you, you're fighting it tooth and nail. You're on the wrong road. But if you will hold fast to the things that you have been taught, I mean, there's great reward. There's great reward. There's joy that's promised. There's great joy that's promised. When Jesus Christ was teaching his disciples, and truly it was salvation 101 in Matthew chapter 5, and he said, blessed are, makarios, happy are, permanently fulfilled are, what? Those that mourn. Verse 4. Blessed are, happy are, permanently fulfilled are those that mourn. Those that are broken over sin. Those that mourn over sin. And that's an ongoing manifestation in a believer's life. It's a continual thing. It's happened once, but it's a continual thing. We are dissatisfied with sin in our life because the Holy Spirit speaks to us. And you know why we're happy? Because the Holy Spirit is speaking to us. He is speaking to us. Psalms 25, verse 10 says this, All the paths of the Lord are loving kindness and truth to those who keep his covenants and his testimony. I mean, the best path of life is living a life set aside unto God, a living a life that listens, takes his truth. Is it a battle? It's a battle. But you've been given the Holy Spirit. You've been given the Holy Spirit to work in you, to help you, to help you to obey. What do you have to do when you're failing? You cry out to the Lord. What what does God want you to do? He wants you to cry out to the Lord. All of these things, I mean, when we're coming to him because we're failing, that's what he wants us to do. That's what he wants. So this is the way of wisdom. This is the life that God honors. This is the life that God blesses. Let's pray. Father, thank you for such an encouragement to us this, this evening, dear God, as, as we even think about all that you've instructed, all that you have given to us, Father. Lord, we cannot 
follow these things. We cannot obey these things that you tell us in your word with, without the presence of your Holy Spirit in us. Lord, without your Holy Spirit, we have no hope. So, Father, those that do not know you have no hope of keeping these things. But, Father, those that do, you have given your Holy Spirit. And that's power. That's authority because you are with us. So, Father, burn these things in our heart. Dear Father, put these things in our mind. Help us to obey you from the heart. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, amen. Well, we have a couple of minutes. Of questions? Yes, Corinne. Yeah, I, I think if what uh, what Corinne is saying is that w- would we consider this, you know, just a natural law that even for a lost person, if they followed this, would it would it be good for their life? And I think the answer to that is yes. I think the answer to that is yes. Now, you know, once again, what you just said is it difficult to do all of these things unless you have the Holy Spirit in you? The answer is yes. The answer is yes. Obviously, uh, if, if we look, in, particularly in the Old Testament, there was a lot of people who did not follow after these that, um, you know, are in God's word. So it, it, it was a tough thing. So the, I think the answer is yes. I mean, in, inevitably, if you follow God's laws, it's not going to hurt you. I mean, there's the do nots. If you look at the Ten Commandments, you know, uh, obviously the, the, the beginning ones, you can't love the Lord with all your heart if you don't let you know the Lord. But if you look at everything else, I mean, those things are rules for life that, yeah, I think anybody, if they obeyed, would would result in, in joy in their life as far as a lost person could have. That Can I answer your question? That's a good question. What else? Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask this because I studied this. <laughs> and, and, and Corinne, I thought this was what you were going to ask. So, Solomon wrote Proverbs, three books in the Bible, okay, and had 700 wives. Okay, you think those are, so what do you, what do y'all think about that? So the question would be, and and, and truly, I've, I've seen it, is, did he go to heaven or not? What's that? I, I mean, you know, you, you have all these things in Scripture, and, and truly, and I really thought this was going to be a question, so I, I definitely blown up a little bit, because it's, it's kind of a struggle of life when you look at this and you see all of these things in Solomon's life and, and basically, he's a young man when he writes most of these things. But as an older, as he older he got, 
the worse it got. Uh, scripture tells us that Solomon loved the Lord. He had just a little problem. He worshiped and sacrificed in the high places. So you're like, well, that sounds contradictory. And the only thing we, I think we say here is, number one, and I think this is one of the things that we, we see in life, that the Scripture tells us that God loved Solomon. Even at his birth, it says God loved Solomon. That's really in part of his name, that he loved Solomon. If you look at 1 John 5, it says, I loved him what? Because he first loved me. And so you'd have to count on the love of God being here and the sovereignty of God and all of those things. And so once again, while, you know, we have to know what God put in his word, these are things that are applicable to our life. Living those things is the way to a joyous life and to find favor with the Lord. But obviously, if you look at the man, there's times when, man, that, that just, that was error. I mean, you, you, you can see that a lot in Scripture. So you, you can't, can't always say, well, Solomon did it. It's not a good thing to take home. I mean, the, the basic principle here is God loves Solomon. God chose him to build his temple. God used him to write a lot in his book and give this wisdom that works in our life. And so that's, that's where we have to leave that. We, the, the secret things belong to the Lord. And, and so you'd have to, I, I can't believe in my own mind that, that Solomon would not be in heaven if he wrote three books that's in God's word. Anyway, that raised more questions than... Yeah. Man, I look at the heart, and we see in Ecclesiastes, if I read it right, is that Solomon began to come back to who he was prior to messing up. Yeah, I, th- I think I think you're I think you're right to a certain. Now, what you see with David that gives you a lot of comfort is David repented, and while you really don't see a clear version of that with Solomon, but it, once again, what you do see is consequences of sin. Uh, that the that it was there. I mean, God was displeased with Solomon, and he came to him, and he told him that, okay, I'm going to take the kingdom away from you, but not right now, okay, because of David. I'm not going to do that right now, but I'm going to take it away from your son. I'm going to give him one tribe. And so that happened. That I mean, in his whole life was really, you know, lived in oppression, you know, after all these things. So, yeah, once again, you, you see that. You, you see that. So, yeah. I, I think that, uh, once again, one of the reasons you kind of look at the Bible and you say, if you're really going to make up a story, you wouldn't put all these facts, in, you know. You'd put only good things in there. But, you know, we, we got the whole life of, uh, of these men, you know. We got the whole life of Abraham, you know. He, he had a couple problems with truth and various ones, you know, et cetera. Um, so, um, once again, I, I think the, the, the principle is there. We abide by God's word. We listen to God's word. We apply God's word. And there is promise given in that. 
And the opposite is true. Don't do that. There's promise for that, and it ain't good.